بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما Continuing on with the biography of the great Sahabi and the great Khalifa Umar ibn al-Khattab radiyallahu anh from the virtues of Umar radiallahu an, is that many times when he would give his advice or he would give his opinion or he would give his view on a certain matter, later on what Umar radiallahu an said or what advice he gave or what opinion he gave, it would be confirmed with revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran. And one example of this is when he advised the Prophet ﷺ, Ya Rasulullah, your wives should be behind a screen or behind a curtain when men come and ask them questions. Now the wives of the Prophet ﷺ, Ummahatul Mu'mineen, they had a special position being the wives of the Prophet ﷺ, so they would know certain matters regarding the household life of the Prophet ﷺ that other people would not know. So they had special information. They had special knowledge of the Prophet ﷺ and his home life and his family life. So of course, to get this information, to get this knowledge, many people would come to the wives of the Prophet ﷺ and ask them questions to learn that knowledge from them. How was the Prophet ﷺ at home? How was the Prophet ﷺ uh, in his household life. These type of questions were, were things that the wives of the Prophet ﷺ would know more than anyone else would know. So men would come to the wives of the Prophet ﷺ asking them these questions. So Umar ﷺ, he said that, Ya Rasulullah, your wives, many men, they come to them and ask them questions. So they should be behind a screen when they are be, being asked questions by these men. The men shouldn't just come in front of them and ask them questions. Rather, there should be a barrier between them. This was the idea and the opinion of Umar ibn al-Khattab But the Prophet didn't want to make this obligation without first receiving revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Umar he gave this suggestion and a little bit later on, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the verse and in that verse it is mentioned وَإِذَا سَأَلْتُمُهُنَّ مَتَاعًا فَاسْأَلُوهُنَّ مِنْ وَرَاءِ حِجَابٍ When you ask them any questions, when you ask the wives of the Prophet ﷺ for anything, then ask them from behind a hijab, from behind a screen. So this is exactly what Umar was advising. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed this verse confirming and affirming this advice of Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu So Umar radiallahu was someone who was blessed with the right type of thinking. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him a good mind and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him a mind which was in line with the teachings of Islam. And this is just one example of this and there are many examples of Umar radiallahu giving an giving an idea or an opinion or advice 
And then later on, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala confirming that advice. Another example of this is Umar radiallahu anhu suggests that Maqam Ibrahim should be taken as a place of prayer. The Maqam Ibrahim in the Haram by the Kaaba, that this should be a place of prayer. That the Prophet should take that as his musalla. Oh, so then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed after this, وَاتَّخِذُوا مِن مَقَامِ إِبْرَاهِيمَ مُصَلَّى Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed and take the Maqam Ibrahim as a place of prayer. So this is another example. And there are, there are many, many examples of this where Umar radiallahu anhu said something and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala affirmed that with revelation. So it just shows that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed Umar radiallahu anhu with good reasoning and a good mind. But sometimes Umar radiallahu anhu, he would have an idea or he would have an opinion and then the Prophet would show him that this opinion actually is not the best course of action. Now remember Umar he is a great companion and he's very intelligent and he has a good mind and he is blessed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with the ability to make good decisions but still he is a human being and he is not a prophet so he doesn't receive revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, even though many times what Umar radiallahu anhu would say was correct and it would actually be affirmed by revelation, sometimes Umar radiallahu anhu, he would give his opinion on a matter and that opinion that he gave was actually not the best course of action. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam would show Umar that this is actually, what you're saying is actually not the best course of action. And then Umar radiallahu anhu, he would see that after a while he would see that and he would quickly accept that he was mistaken. He was not a person who would just hold on to his views no matter what. If he saw that he was mistaken regarding something, he was quick to return to the haqq. He was not arrogant, he was not stubborn, no. He was just looking for the truth. He was sincere. When a person is sincere, when they are proven wrong, they're happy to accept that and return to what is correct. But when a person is, is giving his opinion for his own ego, then even when he is proven wrong, he will try to find some way to justify himself and he doesn't want to accept that he was mistaken. So this is the difference between a person who is sincere and a person who is not sincere. And Umar radiallahu an, he was at the peak of sincerity. He was a person who was 100% sincere, alhamdulillah. So if he was ever mistaken in something and it was shown to him that he was mistaken, he would have no problem recanting his statement. He would have no problem going back on what he said and accepting the truth. One example of this is when the Muslims went for the battle of Bani al-Mustaliq and they were victorious in that battle, alhamdulillah. And on their way back, on their way back from Muraysi' back to Medina, they would stop on the journey at certain rest stops from Muraysi'ah to Medina it's, a, it's quite a distance so they couldn't make that trip all in one shot so they would rest at certain points during the journey so on one of these rest stops on the way back from Al-Muraysi'ah where the battle of Bani Al-Mustaliq took place on the way back from Muraysi'ah to Medina they had stopped at a rest stop and they were 
getting some water. The Muslims, they were going to some of the wells and they were collecting water from the wells. So, on one of those wells, a companion from the Muhajireen went to that well to get water. And also a companion from the Ansar, he went to the same well to get water. And they arrived at that well, both of them, around the same time. So then an argument came out between them. Like, who was here first? The, Muhajireen, the, the, the man from the Muhajireen thought that he was there first. And the man from the Ansar said, no, I was here first. So they got into a dispute that who should, who should be able to draw water from the well first? This man from the Muhajireen or this man from the Ansar? So they're arguing with each other and it starts to get kind of heated. They start getting really mad at each other and they start exchanging heated words with each other. This man from the Muhajireen and this man from the Ansar. And they're all Muslims and they're all brothers, but they got caught up in the heat of the moment as human beings and they got into this argument. So the argument and the dispute, it reached such a level, it reached such a level that the man from the Muhajireen, he called out for help. And who did he call? He called the Muhajireen. Like, I'm from the Muhajireen, I'm going to call my people, Muhajireen, to help me. And the man from the Ansar, he said, okay, I'm going to call my people to help me, the Ansar. So the man from the Muhajireen, he said, Ya lal Muhajireen, oh Muhajireen, come help me against this guy. And the Ansari, he said, Ya lal Ansar, oh Ansar, come help me against this guy. So the Muhajireen, they came to the defense of the Muhajir and the Ansar, they came to the defense of the Ansari. So this is not a good situation. Muhajireen against the Ansar when they're all brothers. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّمَا الْمُؤْمِنُونَ إِخْوَةً Surely the believers, they're brothers. So they should not have this type of tribalism. Like the Muhajireen will stick only with the Muhajireen and the Ansar will only stick with the Ansar. No, this is not right. But in the heat of the moment, they got caught up in this. So the Muhajireen, they came to the defense of this Muhajir and the Ansar, they came to the defense of this Ansari. And now the dispute, it had reached such a level, it was not just between two people anymore. It was between a big group of Muhajireen and a big group of the Ansar. And they started exchanging very heavy and heated words between each other. And it was getting to the extent where it was feared that maybe if this goes on, it will become physical. That the Muhajireen will start fighting with the Ansar physically. So it got to that extent where it was almost reaching that level. It didn't reach physical level, but it was going in that direction. So one of the companions seeing that this is getting out of hand, he quickly went to the Prophet ﷺ. The Prophet ﷺ was not in that area at that time. He was a little off from that area. So one man came running to the Prophet ﷺ and said, Ya Rasulullah, this is what's going on between the Muhajireen and the Ansar. So the Prophet ﷺ, when he heard this, he got very upset and he quickly came to that location. He quickly came by the well and he addressed all of these people and he said to them, that are you calling with the da'wah of jahiliyyah, the call of jahiliyyah, this tribalistic call, like Muhajireen saying, Ya lal Muhajireen, the Ansar saying, Ya lal Ansar, Muhajireen against Ansar. This is... This is not Islamic. Rather, Islam teaches, Surely the believers, all of them, the Muhajireen and the Ansar, everyone, they're all brothers. So there should not be this type of, of, of tribalism 
and everyone just sticks with their tribe and they're against the other tribe. This is wrong. So the Prophet ﷺ, he was upset and he said, Are you calling out with the call of jahiliyyah, this call of ignorance? While I am still here alive amongst you, you're doing this. And then the Prophet said, Leave this. Leave this type of, of tribalistic call. Leave this call of jahiliyyah, this call of disunity. Because this stinks. This is something that stinks. So with the words of the Prophet ﷺ, things calmed down. Both sides, they cooled down. They apologized to each other. And alhamdulillah, everything was okay. Now, the Muhajireen and the Ansar, they are the best of this ummah, the Sahab of Rasulullah ﷺ. But they're still human beings. And they have the emotions of human beings. So sometimes, these type of things can happen. Getting caught up in the heat of the moment. And this is exactly what happened in this situation. And when they realized their mistake, they calmed down, they cooled down, and they apologized, alhamdulillah. And everything was okay. Everything was okay. But when this news reached Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul, and remember Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul, he is the head of the Munafiqeen. And he is from the people of Medina. Actually, he was one of the leaders of the tribe of Khazraj of Medina. And before the Prophet ﷺ came to Medina, Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul thought that he was going to be basically crowned to be the king of Medina, the ruler of Medina. But then the Prophet ﷺ came and the Prophet ﷺ became the ruler of Medina. So Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul, he had this hatred in his heart, this jealousy in his heart, in his heart towards the Prophet ﷺ. And he was thinking to himself that if it, if it weren't for this man who came from Mecca, he's not even from our city, he came from Mecca and he became the ruler of Medina. And I was going to become the ruler of Medina and then he came. So he had this hatred, this jealousy, this envy towards the Prophet So even though he claimed to be a Muslim, he was really a munafiq. And he was actually the head of the munafiqeen and always trying to hurt the Prophet and his family and always trying to cause fitna amongst the Muslims. This was Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul. So when Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul heard about what had happened between the Muhajireen and the Ansar at the well. Now he wasn't there at that, at, at that location at that time when it happened. He was camping out in, in an area that was at some distance from where that incident took place. Right? The Muslim army was a big army, so they had their camp, their camp in, the, in the main area. But Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul, he was not at the wells when that incident actually happened. But the news reached him that this is what happened that uh, this man from the Muhajireen had a fight with a man from, from Medina, from the Ansar, and it became very heated, and they exchanged a lot of heated words amongst each other, and it was going to even escalate further than that. So they told this to Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul. And Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul, he said, wow, the Muhajireen, these people from Mecca, they have the nerve to treat us like this? That they are the ones who came to our city. Medina was our city. They come, they take refuge in our city. They overcrowd our city. They take our resources. They take advantage of our generosity. And now they treat us like this. So he was very upset. And he said to some of the people who were around him, who were from the people of Medina, he said, look what, this is your fault. 
that you accepted these refugees coming in from Mecca to stay in our city. Now look what's happening. You shared your resources with them. You shared your wealth with them. They came into your city. They overcrowded your city. Now they're making problems for you. And this is your fault because you allowed them in. And then he gave an old example that was said by some of the Arabs in the past. That if you make your dog fat, then eventually what's going to happen is going to eat you. So keep feeding the dog, make the dog fat, then what's going to happen in the end? The dog is going to eat you. So it's going to bite the hand that feeds it. Right? So this is the example he gave for the Muhajireen and the Ansar. Astaghfirullah. He was saying, look, look, you're feeding the Muhajireen, you allowed the Muhajireen to come in your city, you're taking care of them, you're sharing your wealth with them, you're sharing your property with them. And now, when they become strong, they're going to get rid of you, they're going to make problems for you. So he tried to incite this, this hatred for the Muhajireen in the hearts of the people of Medina. So this is how Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul is talking to his circle of people, talking against the Muhajireen. And he continued and he said, you know what we should do? We should just stop spending our wealth on them. These people, they came from Mecca with nothing. They came to us from Mecca, they had nothing. We helped them financially, we spent on them. But if we stop spending on them now, let's just refuse to spend on them. And when they see we're not being generous with them anymore, we're not spending upon them, eventually they're just going to have to leave. They're going to have to leave Medina and they'll go somewhere else and we can get rid of them. So this is what Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul advised his circle of people. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he mentions this in the Qur'an. They are the people, the munafiqeen. They are the people who say, don't spend on the people who are with the Prophet Don't spend on the muhajireen until they leave. So this was the plan of Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul. And he also said, He said, when we get back to Medina, then the honorable ones will expel the lowly, disgraceful ones. And what did he mean by that? He meant that we, the people of Medina, we are the honorable ones, and we will expel these lowly, disgraceful people from Mecca. And who is he referring to as the lowly people, the disgraceful people? Al-Adhal. Who does he mean by that? He meant the Prophet Muhammad and the Muhajireen of Mecca. In reality, the Prophet Muhammad is the most honorable of all mankind. But this is what Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul said. He said, That the honorable ones, and he meant himself and the people of Medina, the honorable ones will dispel and expel and kick out the lowly ones. So this was the thinking of Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul and this is what he tried to incite his people with, his circle of people with. Now, one of the companions, a young companion of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he's actually a child. Zayd ibn Arqam radiallahu anhu. He heard Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul trying to incite the people like this. And he went to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Zayd ibn Arqam radiallahu anhu, great companion, young kid. He goes to the Prophet ﷺ and he tells him, Ya Rasulullah, I heard Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul saying this, this, this to his people. He's saying, 
He's saying, he's saying, don't spend on, on those who are with the Prophet ﷺ until they leave Medina. And he's saying, He's saying that if we return to Medina, when we return to Medina, the mighty ones are going to expel the disgraceful ones. Ya Rasulullah, this is what Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul is saying. So when Zayd ibn Arqam told this to the Prophet who was with the Prophet at this time? Umar ibn al-Khattab was sitting there too and he's hearing this too. And you, you know a little bit about the personality of Umar ibn al-Khattab by now to know how he would react to hearing such a thing. So what did Umar ibn al-Khattab do? Probably most of you can guess. He asked the Prophet for permission to kill Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul. And he said to the Prophet Ya Rasulullah, command Abbad ibn Bishr to go and kill Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul. And why did he suggest Abbad ibn Bishr to do it? Because Abbad ibn Bishr was a relative of Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul. Let his own relative kill him. Not just anyone, let his own relative go and kill him. And Abbad ibn Bishr, he was a, a great companion and a, a good Muslim from the Sahaba of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So this Umar was mad. He said, we need to kill him, this munafiq. How dare he speak like this? How dare he insult the Prophet and the muhajireen by calling them al-adhal, by calling them the lowly ones, the disgraceful ones. No, this is not acceptable. We should kill him, Ya Rasulullah. So Umar when he had an idea, when he had an opinion, he was not afraid to speak his mind. Whatever was in his mind, whatever his opinion was, he would say it. He would say it. So this is what he said. Ya Rasulullah, order Abbad ibn Bishr to kill Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul, the munafiq. And the Prophet said, La ya Umar. No. No ya Umar. We can't do this. Kayfa ya Umar, idha tahaddatha nas anna muhammadan yaqtulu ashaba. Ya Umar, think about it. If I order for Abdullah ibn Ubay to be killed, then what are the people going to say? When this news gets out, what are the people going to say? The people all around the Arabian Peninsula, they're going to say Muhammad kills his companions. So then they're going to be afraid to become Muslim. Like, yeah, these people, they're the companions of Muhammad and Muhammad orders for the death of his own companions. So this is something that could actually hurt the reputation of the Muslims and Islam. So the Prophet ﷺ, you look at the wisdom, the hikmah of the Prophet ﷺ. He said like, no, we can't do this because then the people are going to say Muhammad kills his companions and that will have a detrimental effect. So this is what he said to Umar uh, And he said, okay, let's just keep moving to Medina. The Prophet ﷺ wanted to, to squash this fitna, to squash this talk of the people. He said, let's just get up, let's continue, let's go. Let's continue going to Medina. He wanted to get the people busy of getting ready to, to get up from the camp and move to Medina so that that would distract them from all of this talk. And regarding this incident, regarding what Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul said to his people, Surah Al-Munafiqoon was revealed. Surah Al-Munafiqoon was revealed and it exposed Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul. And as they moved towards Medina, when they reached near Medina, they're going from Muraysiyah to Medina. Now they're near Medina close to the borders of Medina. When they reach close to the border of Medina, the son of Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul, that's Abdullah ibn Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul. His son's name was also Abdullah. So the son, who was a good Muslim, he's not a munafiq, 
the son of Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul, Abdullah ibn Abdullah, he was a very good, strong Muslim, a good companion of the Prophet And he was very upset, very angry at what his father said. And he stood at the outskirts of Medina. Before entering Medina, he stopped. And he's waiting for his father to come. And the reason why he's waiting for his father to come, because his father said, Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul said, when we return to Medina, the honorable ones will dispel or expel the dishonorable ones. So Abdullah ibn Abdullah, the son, he wanted to show his father that Rasulullah is the honorable one, and you, oh my father, you are the dishonorable one. So when his father came, son is waiting for him. And he says, stop, You'll, you will not enter Medina. You will not enter Medina until you get permission from the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. If Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says you can enter Medina, then you can enter. If he doesn't say you can enter, you will not enter. He's speaking to his father like this. And he said to his father, Wallahi, La Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam huwa al-Aziz wa anta al-Zalil. He said to his father, Wallahi, the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he is Al-Aziz, he is the honorable one, and you, O oh my father, you are Al-Zalil, you are the dishonorable, lowly one. So his own son humiliated him. His own son humiliated him. So he thought he's the big one, the big shot, the honorable one, and now he's being humiliated by who? By his own son. And this is the worst type of embarrassment that a person can have, to be humiliated by their own son. And this is in front of everybody. Everyone is seeing this. So now Abdullah bin Ubay bin Salul, he's so ashamed. He's so ashamed. And he's, he knows that you know, everyone is looking at him now. And he's, he's so embarrassed and he's so humiliated. So the Prophet wasallam, being the generous, kind person that he was, he actually gave Abdullah bin Ubay bin Salul permission to come back into Medina. He said, yeah, let him come through. And Abdullah bin Ubay came into Medina. And when the day of Jumu'ah came, Abdullah bin Ubay bin Salul, he was, still, he was still very wounded by all of that humiliation that came to him as a result of his own words. So on the day of Jumu'ah, when the Muslims were gathered in the masjid, he tried to stand up and he tried to speak and praise the Prophet He was a munafiq, but he tried to do this in order to kind of lift some of this humiliation from himself and he tried to do some sweet talk in order to get back to the way things were before. So when he got up and he tried to speak and he tried to do this sweet sugary talk, then the Muslims in the masjid, they said, Ijlis ya adullah, sit down, O enemy of Allah. Ya munafiq, sit down. And some of them actually held his clothes and tried to make him sit down. So he was still humiliated amongst all of the people. And then the Prophet said to Umar ibn al-Khattab, remember what Umar said in the first place. Umar said, kill him. But the Prophet said, no. And now Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul is humiliated and he's embarrassed and all of the Muslims are humiliating him and shaming him. And now the Prophet says to Umar, he said, Ya Umar, look, look now. If I had killed him when you told me to kill him, if I had killed him when you told me to kill him, then there would be people who actually would have defended him. 
his people, the people who are close to him, they would have defended him. But now, look how everyone is against him now. Look how everyone is against him now. Now, if I order anyone to kill him, they'll be happy to jump on him and kill him. So then Umar radiallahu anhu, he, he realized that he was hasty when he quickly just said, let's kill him. He realized that that wasn't the, that wasn't the best decision to take at that time. And the Prophet ﷺ made him realize it. Like, look, see, just be patient and see how things turn out. So then Umar radiallahu anhu, like we mentioned, like we mentioned, if he realized that his decision was not the best decision, he would happily accept that. He would not try to hold on to his own opinion and say like, no, I meant this or no, I, think, I still think that I was right. No, nothing like that. He was very happy to accept the truth, even if he found out that he himself was mistaken. So when the Prophet ﷺ showed this to him, what did Umar say? He said, قَدْ وَاللَّهِ عَلِمْتُ لَأَمْرُ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ أَعْظَمُ بَرَكَةً مِنْ أَمْرِي He said, Wallahi, I know for sure that the decision of Rasulullah has more blessing. It is greater in barakah than my decision, than what I said. Very humble. And always ready to accept the truth. Another example of Umar giving his view and then humbly accepting that he was mistaken was his stance during the Treaty of Hudaybiyyah. And we spoke about this in detail in the seerah. But just to recap a brief summary, the Muslims, they came for Umrah, not with the intention to fight the Quraysh or anything. They came with Ihram, they came with the intention of Umrah. Now the Quraysh prevented them from entering Mecca and they made a treaty. The Quraysh, they made a treaty with the Prophet ﷺ at Hudaybiyyah that had conditions. And these conditions, it outwardly looked like the kuffar of the Quraysh had the upper hand with these conditions. For example, one of the conditions was that the Muslims, they cannot come into Mecca this year and make Umrah. They have to go back to Medina. And they can come back next year and make Umrah. That was one of the conditions. Another condition was that if anyone from Mecca, if anyone from the Quraysh from Mecca becomes a Muslim and escapes from Mecca and joins the Muslims, the Muslims must send that person back to Mecca. The Muslims basically must extradite that person back to Mecca. But on the other hand, if anyone from the Muslim community in Medina, if anyone leaves Islam and takes refuge with the Quraysh in Mecca, that the Quraysh don't have to extradite this person back to the Muslims. So just looking at it from the outside, it looked like to many of the companions that it looks like, look, these conditions, it looks like the kuffar are getting the upper hand and the Muslims are getting the shorter end of the stick here. So Umar radiallahu anhu was not happy with these conditions, even though the Prophet sallallahu accepted these conditions. The Prophet sallallahu accepted these conditions. But Umar radiallahu anhu was not happy with this. He said, this looks like we are giving them the upper hand. And he actually went to the Prophet sallallahu He was very bold in expressing his view and opinion. He would not hide it to himself. He would not just think that, no, I don't like this. If he didn't like something, he would go and he would say it. So he went to the Prophet ﷺ and he said, Ya Rasulullah, Ya Rasulullah, Alasna ala al-haqqi wa hum ala al-baatil. He said, Ya Rasulullah, aren't we upon the truth and they are upon falsehood? And the Prophet ﷺ said, Bala, yes, this is true. We are upon the truth and they are on falsehood. So then he said, Alaysa qatlana fil jannah wa qatlahum fil nar. 
aren't the people who die amongst us in Jannah and the people who die amongst them are in the fire of Jahannam? The Prophet said, Bala, yes, this is true. And then Umar said, okay, if this is the case, then why are we taking the shorter end of the stick here? Why are we giving them the upper hand with these conditions? We can just fight them. And if we die, that's fine. We're going to go to Jannah. And if they die, they're going to go to Jahannam. So why, why are we accepting these conditions, Ya Rasulullah? And the Prophet said, Inni Rasulullah walan That surely I am the messenger of Allah and Allah will never allow me to be lost. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will always protect me. So whatever I'm doing here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to keep me safe and He's going to protect us. So Umar radiallahu anhu, he's, the Prophet said this to him, but he didn't give much details like why why are we agreeing to these conditions he just gave a very general answer that allah will protect us so umar radiallahu anhu still he he was he was not happy with the conditions of of this treaty and before the treaty was written down the conditions had been agreed upon by the prophet sallallahu and the representative of the quraysh who they sent as their representative their chief negotiator suhail ibn amr so this agreement of Hudaybiyah was between the Prophet ﷺ on the side of the Muslims as the leader of the Muslims and on the side of the Quraysh, Suhail ibn Amr. So they had agreed upon the conditions, but they had not written it down yet. Nothing was written down yet. So before writing it down, Abu Jandal ibn Suhail ibn Amr, the son of Suhail ibn Amr, Abu Jandal, he had accepted Islam in Mecca. He became a Muslim in Mecca. And he was able to escape Mecca and his plan was to escape Mecca and to join the Muslims. So the Muslims were at Hudaybiyah. Abu Jandal escaped from Mecca and he joined the Muslims and he said, Ya Rasulullah, I came to you as a muhajir. I came to seek protection from you. I'm a Muslim and I'm here to join you and the Muslims. So then Suhail ibn Amr, who's the father of Abu Jandal, he said, Ya Muhammad, we had a deal. Our agreement is that anyone who escapes from Mecca, any Muslim who leaves Mecca and takes refuge with you, you have to send him back. That's part of our agreement. And this is the first one. So send my son back with me. And then Umar عن, hearing this, he said, we didn't write anything down yet. Nothing has been written down yet. And then Suhail said, it doesn't matter if we didn't write it down. We already agreed upon it orally and that's binding even if we didn't write it down yet. And the Prophet wasallam he said, Sadaqt. He said to Suhail ibn Amr, yes, you are right. Even though we didn't write it down yet, we orally agreed upon it. And yes, this is binding. So he ordered for Abu Jandal, who had just escaped from Mecca, to join the Muslims. The Prophet wasallam ordered that he has to be sent back with his father, with Suhail ibn Amr. Suhail ibn Amr, he took his son, he hit him on the face and he grabbed him by the clothes. And Abu Jandal is saying, Ya Ma'ashar al-Muslimin, O Muslimin, O Muslims, my brothers, save me. They're going to take me back to Mecca. They're going to torture me. Save me, save me. And they couldn't do anything about it because this was part of the deal. So the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, they're seeing this in front of their own eyes. They're crying. Like this is our brother. He came to seek protection from us and we have to send him back. We have to send him back to Mecca where he's going to be tortured. So the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, they're crying seeing this. But Umar radiallahu anhu, he didn't cry. Rather, he wanted to take some action here. So what did he do? He unsheathed his sword. He opened his sword. 
And he went close to Abu Jandal. He went very close to Abu Jandal to a distance where Abu Jandal could easily just reach the sword of, of Umar, take his sword and kill his own father, kill Suhail. That's what he wanted Abu Jandal to do. So he comes close to Abu Jandal and he, he, he comes in a position showing Abu Jandal that look, here's my sword. It's open. It's unsheathed. Just take it. He didn't say it, but you know, it was clear what he meant, what he was trying to do. And Abu Jandal, he didn't take the sword. He didn't, he didn't feel like he can kill his own father, Suhail ibn Umar. But Umar wanted him to do that. So you can see how, how much of a fire was burning inside Umar ibn al-Khattab and seeing this. So he was very, very saddened. He was very upset by what was going on. And he, he didn't understand at this point like why the Muslims are agreeing to these conditions. So he went to the Prophet ﷺ and the Prophet ﷺ gave him that answer that I am the messenger of Allah and Allah will never cause me to be lost. Allah will always protect me. Then Umar he went to Abu Bakr. He went to Abu Bakr and he said, Ya Abu Bakr, Oh Abu Bakr, aren't we upon the truth and they are upon falsehood? And Abu Bakr said, Bala. And then Umar said, Aren't the people who die from amongst us, we are in Jannah, and the people who die amongst them, they're in the fire? Abu Bakr said, Bala. And then Umar asked him the same question that he asked Rasulullah Why are we agreeing to these conditions? Why are we giving them the upper hand like this? And Abu Bakr radiallahu and it just shows that the thinking of Abu Bakr radiallahu was the most closest to the Prophet that's why he was the closest companion to the Prophet ﷺ. He gave the exact same answer. He said, Wallahi innahu la Rasulullah walan yudayyahullah. Surely, Wallahi, he is the messenger of Allah and Allah will never allow him to be lost. Allah will always protect him. And then Abu Bakr advised Umar, Ya Umar, ilzam gharza, that just follow the Prophet ﷺ every step that he takes. Just follow him. Follow every step that he takes. Follow him completely. Follow him perfectly. Follow him because surely I bear witness that he is the messenger of Allah. So follow him. And then Umar said, And I also bear witness and I testify that he is the messenger of Allah. And after that, Umar he felt bad. But why am I even asking these questions? This is the decision of Rasulullah. And he knows better than I know. He realized that. And then Umar he says, from that point on, I did a lot of extra charity, a lot of extra fasting, a lot of extra ibadah in order to make up for the talk that I did on that day. That I even spoke like this. I felt like so bad that I said, oh, I need to make up. I need to make up for this by giving extra sadaqah, by doing extra ibadah. So he said, I did a lot of extra charity, a lot of extra ibadah in order to make up for the words that I said on that day. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed regarding the treaty of Hudaybiyyah, which seemed on the outside to favor the, the conditions seemed to be in favor of the disbelievers instead of the believers. It seemed on the outside to look like that. But what did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala call that treaty of Hudaybiyyah? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about Hudaybiyyah, <coughs> Inna fatahna laka fatham mubina. Surely we have given you a clear victory. And this is not referring to the, 
to the Fath of Mecca. This is referring to Sulh al-Hudaybiyyah. Inna fatahna laka fathan mubina. This is about the Sulh al-Hudaybiyyah. It is about the Treaty of Hudaybiyyah. Allah calls it fathan mubina, a clear victory. So when this was revealed to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam recited it to Umar ibn al-Khattab. Allah subhanahu wa taala says, Inna fatahna laka fathan mubina. That Allah subhanahu wa taala has granted you a clear victory, and it was referring to. Sulh al-Hudaybiyyah, the Treaty of Hudaybiyyah. So then Umar radiallahu anhu, he said to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, a fathun hu, that the Sulh al-Hudaybiyyah, the Treaty of Hudaybiyyah, it is a fath, it is a victory from Allah. So then Umar radiallahu anhu, he realized Allah is saying that this is a fath, so it is a fath. It is a victory from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he accepted that. That his thinking on that day, it was incomplete. He didn't see the whole picture. And later on, there were so many beautiful results from the Sulh of Hudaybiyah, from the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, and we spoke about that in detail in the, in the lectures on the seerah. But this incident and Umar radiallahu anhu's stance on the day of Hudaybiyah just shows that, it shows two things. It shows that he was, he was very bold in expressing his opinion. Whatever he thought, he didn't just keep it to himself. He would go to the Prophet wasallam and express his concerns. And secondly, Whenever he was shown to be mistaken, he was very quick to return to the haqq. He was, he was very quick to return to the truth. And he didn't feel any type of, of, of arrogance or any type of ego in holding on to his position after showing that he was mistaken. So this was from the great qualities and the great virtues of Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu. So inshallah we'll stop there for tonight and we'll continue with the biography of this great companion next week bi idhnillah wallahu alam sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyyina muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in